exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Yo, it was meant to be a farewell concert, but it changed the music industry forever. We gotta do it again. And launched the careers of countless artists. We had all been underground bands, but that was changing. All while giving the mainstream the middle finger. That's entertainment. Don't miss this three-part docuseries that was 30 years in the making. Lala, the story of Lollapalooza. New docuseries now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Bang for the last time in 2019. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell, all box, all the damn time on this holiday week. I think I've already told a lie to start off this show. This won't be the last show of this year, but this is a great show, by the way, as we will hit up our year-end 2019 awards, recap a surprisingly wild weekend in the sport of boxing, including Chavez's junior's uh, return, possible <laughs> exit for good, who knows, and also that wild and exciting Charlo Harrison-Deuce rematch. Look ahead to the return of Gervonta Davis this weekend. And a lot of fun in between. And listen, an early shout-out. Going to have a bonus pod this week. It's Christmas week, okay? Tonical week, whatever you're celebrating. Kwanzaa, we're going to celebrate with you. Be on the lookout. i got some interviews in the can. Wow. Hey, it's a tough place. Uh, with a few of these big names that you're going to want to check out later this week. But right now, it's about this show. It's about the end of the year. The last two weekends in box, we're going to look backwards. We are going to look forward, and there's only one man that I can do that with. He's my co-host. He's fired up for Christmas so much that he's wearing green and growing a red beard to stay in the mood for that. And when I say in the mood, you know where I'm going with that. I do like ginger. Don't we all? But this is an America, uh, New York Times bestselling author, Ginger, and also the voice of boxing on theathletic.com. His name is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you, lick you up. Let me lick you down. Tony Harris, I don't know. Why did have to happen like boom, that? Boom, 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 Rafe Bugs back in Detroit. Back where you belong. Back with a bang. How the hell are you? Back where we belong. Doing pretty good. Getting pumped. How many? More than once? Uh, I pump it more than once. Yes, I do. All right. Uh, is, there, is, there any, is there a problem with that, Brian? No, no, no. And folks, it's magnificent. Big fan of that. Shout out to Richard Dwyer. By the way, Richard Dwyer's beard. Man, he's going for it right now. Did you see him in the camo the other You sent me so much great Dwyer sound. Did not have the time to load it up. But 2020 is going to be a big year. We're going to get a lot of fake Dwyer on the board. We might get the real Dwyer. But right now, it's wartime in Dwyer's house. You know, I'm starting to get a little worried about the man because you know he, we know that Dwyer does a little bit of divorce lawyering. Maybe things are not well in well, the Dwyer household. You can't, you can't pin that on. You can't, like, hey, maybe. I mean, look, the, the, certainly Richard has a stick. 
He, he does. But, uh, you know, you don't know, you don't know what's going on in that, in that house. Okay. That we want to know. That's what we, we want to know. What is in the, what are, what's in those totes? What's in that red solo cup he's got? I would like to look at the whole man when it comes to Richard Dwyer, but he's not, he's not showing it to us. Man, we got to make a pilgrimage to Mountain View or, uh, or, uh, uh, Campbell, if you will. Why not both? They're not too far from each other. All right. All right. Maybe we'll call up a uh, 2018 listener of the year. Alex Godinez of nearby Sacramento and make a make a journey there. Will Alex Godinez repeat, though? That's what you got to tune into today's show to find out, Rafe. Year-end awards. Box has been an interesting friggin' year in 2019. Rafe, I, I'm not going to ask you outright right now. Our, our awards will come, you know, who's the fighter of the year, all that. But every year seems to have something we will remember it by most. A fighter, a moment, a fight something, a development, a bit of news where you're like that calendar year, you know, to 2007, I think Floyd and Oscar on the cover of Sports Illustrated and Floyd becoming a crossover star, right? You know, 2015, I think the launch of PBC and Maypac. That's what happened that year, right? 2014. 2014. Rod Salka, baby. Rod Salka. Okay. Read my mind. Okay. Yes. At least somebody got the the trunks right with the bricks on them. Exactly. Uh, uh, the trunks were wrong on that occasion. Actually, you're right. You're right. Indeed. Uh, you know, people say words like 2017 to me. I, I think about this. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Hey, did you hear uh, or see Stephen A. Smith doing 90 minutes on all the smoke with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, a Showtime property? A friend of mine actually told me about it and said it was fantastic. He said that, uh, you know, Captain Jack and Matt Barnes maybe spoke for five to ten minutes of that entire that is po- true. podcast. That is true. And Captain Jack will get you high tonight if you're if you're hanging around him. I'd like to sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Shout wait, out, wait, to Brian. That. Brian, there's one major year in the the decade that we overlooked, and you know what it is. Yeah. 2013, Brian. What? <laughs> Are you are you talking about things like uh, moments like Floyd Canelo, or are you talking about? Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. Yeah, that is that is what we what they did. They, they that's what they did. Uh, yeah. Well, 2013 was the was uh, Maidana sending uh, Broner through the ropes. That's what I think of. But Rafe, uh, long winded way to start off and say 2019 boxing. What do you think of, bro? Seatbelt season. What do you think of? Seatbelt season was short and uh, and didn't last as long as we wished it would have, Brian. No, I think that 2019 has to be the the streaming the platform wars the uh, and and the good and the bad that has come with that the just gigantic the proliferation of boxing content in so many forms on so many different platforms, different ways to watch, and it being at times overwhelming. It producing more high level, really, really great fights that are still happening today, probably more coming this week as we head into the last days of the year. Thank you, Japan. Uh, so the good that's the that's the positive is just like the sheer volume of really great fights. I think, and this is this is a, a rich man's problem. There's so much good boxing happening that it can be hard to appreciate it all. I, I have a hard time coming up with who really stood out or what was there a theme in the sport. It's just so much going on. It feels like it was three or four years packed into one. Uh, and and personally, I tried to sleep with 
four times as many women in 2019 to to pack in as much action in one year. Somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy. Somebody, uh, somebody. Uh, it was the meet of Mexico. No one owned. Rafe, was it look, the year of the loan? Brian, was Brian, I, look, I, I know I, I, I was not conscious when I was in that video, okay? I was knocked out. Someone did slip me a Jimmy and then slip me a couple of other Johnnies. <laughs> Mama finger, Papa finger, so good. Rafe, if 2018 in boxing was the year of the load, was 2019 the year of load management? No, we had fighters shooting loads. But and, and it was well managed though this year. I mean it was reckless last year. That's true. We we last year we were we were shooting a new load every weekend. <laughs> We've been doing loads since since the beginning. Yes, indeed. This, All this right. year was more of a tantric year in the sport of boxing. But you know what that means? That means the uh the eventual climax is even greater, more satisfying. Could like 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 reaching enlightenment, nirvana. It's almost a religious right, experience. Right. I think you should finish on that category. Yeah, nineteen was the streaming wars. The zone launched for real in September of twenty eighteen. Nineteen, they went at it. They signed Triple G. Canelo was swimming in cash. We saw, uh, you know, women and women with their own condominiums. That is true. We saw Fox take a giant step forward, becoming really the the as they would call it, the premier package holder in the PBC universe, having a monster opening year for pay-per-views. And I think we saw the continuation of this renaissance heavyweight era. We didn't end up getting the the matches we wanted most or deserved, but the era is so fertile. That we effed around and ended up with two Joshua Ruiz fights and, and, and a fat Mexican guy as heavyweight champion. And we had some moments. We had some fun. We had some events. What do you need to make a great boxing year is you need cornerstone marquee events. We don't have like Floyd anymore. And we only got, who did Canelo? Oh, yeah, Canelo had two events, but they really weren't massive. We didn't get those, but I think we had a consistent level of like solid. Like, you know, you get like a Pacquiao Thurman. Spence Porter, like, you know, Wilder in a couple of, you get, there was a couple, there was a consistent stretch, but to make it a really good year, you need that, but you also need the hardcore fights. You know, like 2013 was a tremendous year because Showtime went after it. They got the PBC lineup and suddenly every week there's great fights and fights that weren't supposed to be great turn into great fights and it gets contagious. We had that to a certain degree in 2019 because of the proliferation of the streaming wars where the zone's just picking up foreign fights left and right. The WBSS is rolling. This was a great-ass year. It, uh, just to give you in uh, perspective, traffic-wise in 2019 on CBSSports.com for boxing, we doubled the boxing traffic of the year before. Okay, Brian. Let me. And that me was without you. a a May a May Mac. That was without a you know one of those type deals. It seemed like it, it, it seemed like a pretty damn good marquee year, even if it didn't have a, a couple mountaintop marquee moments. Rafe. Yeah. Do you think that that could just be there are twice as many events almost, and, and hence twice as many things for people to look at, or do you feel like there that these events are actually packing more of a punch that that boxing no. is really what's up. No, boxing's still um, bloated because of the the bu- it's a bubble right now. Okay, boxing's cheap programming. That's why the streaming war started. It's putting money in people's pockets. People that work on this podcast. It's uh, like who? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the bubble will will eventually burst, you would think. You know, wow. See, wow. Hey, hey, Rafe, CBS Sports is Brandon Wise stopping. I don't know if you've heard him before on the MMA podcast. He was, I, we, I have heard, you know, I'm still waiting the for, headphones for here, Brandon. Wise to give you that work. Well, that, I mean, you know, Rafe, we didn't get into our awards yet, but the award for the, the one fight fans wanted, one fight fans needed in 2019, but did not get was hashtag Campbell Wise, survive or die. So you're nominating yourself for the jacker of well, the year. No, okay. <laughs> if you want to talk about jacking in 2019, it was certainly Terrence Bud Crawford on this podcast, right? I, I'm not, not my pick, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. For John Fury did not win that award. All right, we know that. Tyson Fury would never pull out something Rafe regularly did in college. But uh, the question of whether it's my fault that this fight didn't happen is is uh, is an easy answer. No. Brandon Wise violated the spirit of the contract by joining a professional MMA gym, Hard Knocks 365, and training with actual fighters. Rafe, when you're the guy with the 15-year age advantage, with the height advantage, with the strength advantage, and then you're joining a professional gym to get ready for, like, what would have been a pickup game version of, of boxing sparring? I don't know about that. It's a little shady. Brian, this sounds like the kind of excuse-making I heard from Julio Cesar Chavez <laughs> oh, Jr. over the weekend. You? And, yeah, you? I see you coming in overweight for this fight. I don't know. I, I think you should get what you deserve. There was a contract. There was a spirit of the contract. There was no contract. contract. First of all... First of all, you are the one... You're the only one saying there was any oral contract to be had here because... No oral. No oral. Okay. (laughs) Because we were trying to make this happen. We had planned this out to the point where everybody in our office was going to be a part of this. We had referees. We had judges. And yet... A few months go by, and I don't hear a word from you about this. You you weren't in training. I took him. I took him to the gym with me. He died in the warm up, and then just threw some very ugly uppercuts. It was, that it we was may a, or may not have video of still that I can Rafe, send you, Rafe. Uh, Rafe, I was setting a uh, a mental facade, showing him at my worst pre training. This, this was camp. like uh, Andy Ruiz in the Dank City. Yes, <laughs> day in the Tattoo life videos. To tease. Yes, um, Rafe would have been my trainer though. He had me on a good regiment with the bag. You have a little bit of fun with the bag. You play with it. You win combinations on the I, bag. I was playing with the bag a lot. But, Rafe, do I do I have a case here in the jacking? Look, you actually, jacker of the year, might be Rafe Bartholomew from a few instant analysis pods. Those things happen at, like, 3 a.m. on the East Coast, <laughs> man. It's hard to keep up with those. Rafe, I mean, can you settle this debate here? Of what? There isn't a debate. That's I what did. he's saying. Uh, look, I didn't jack, okay? Well, we had, you definitely jacked. We had a gentleman's agreement, all right? Uh, at least reschedule then. Yes. All right, just give me a chance in 2020 to get in shape because everybody knows I'm fighting at weight category 229 right now. Not looking good. Raskin in my DMs questioning my fatness. I saw that, <laughs> Rask, okay? Okay, I saw that. Happy Hanukkah to Eric Raskin and his family, Rafe, okay? Today is the first day. Yes, thank you. Se- second day, isn't it? Second. At least Ooh. somebody got the days right, Rafe. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> PC, we're going to get you to the point where that seersucker jacket you wear is not too tight. Yeah, right? I have a very tight. I have a very tight jacket. I have a fight with a tight jacket, Rafe. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Rafe, do you want to ask Brandon any questions? He moved just moved to Connecticut. I mean. Are you renting a room from Brian Campbell? I am not. Thank God. 
I do not need to be in that house. I've been to his house already. I saw his his animals that run wild and run roughshod over him true. and his wife. That that's, is true. That's entertainment enough, but uh, no. I have, and that's not the, the Campbell twins, the, the two boys you're talking about. No, no, no. no, 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 no I'm no, talking no, about no. literal animals. Yes, a few of them have a stick, too. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're, we'll see if that fight plays out, Brandon, in 2020. But, uh, you know, if All not. Right. I uh, can't wait to be back here in 2021 and you jacked again. I will not jack, okay? Can, can be... I, do we need to make an actual, a formal contract I think for this we, at some can point? Can you draw up the papers? Can I, you draw up the papers, please? I'd sign it in blood, Rafe. And your, yeah. The fluid of your choice. <laughs> Uh, I would stay. I would be fine with ink to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, the parameters would be: um, look, I'm going to need a training camp. Well, actually, I'm going to need a pre-training camp before the training camp. <laughs> Basically, I, I got to get out of this winter depression. I got to lose my my keg, and then I'm ready. Then I'm ready. Okay. That's a lot, that's a tall order. No, I, no, you no, might no. you need like three contracts. No, no, no. I mean, do you have a, if you were Shannon Briggs, Rafe? Would you have any? Uh, Advice for me in terms of getting back into this game? I think you're going to need about three, four more of them pies, champ, before you what get you in the ring with that man on your left. You need like five or ten more of those pies. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what? a fair point. All right, all right. Uh, if you want more Brandon Wise in your life, please check out our year-end MMA State of Combat podcast where skinhead white guys talk about other skinhead white guys. Rafe, put them in a bag for me, please. Thank you. Uh, Rafe, when be, when, where we were at there was looking at the year as a whole, looking inside the whole of that year. The, 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 the whole man. The whole, the whole man. year. Um, it was the year of Dwyer in many ways, at least for this show, certainly. Played a big part in our lives. The streaming wars dominated. The heavyweights were somewhat back. The welterweights. The welterweights. One, one, four, seven played a big subhead in this year anything else besides i mean the wbss had a year they had a stick on them the wbss had a great year i hope it is not the last year because it has produced great great results right brian in terms of the fights we've seen in the ring we know that it hasn't been the best organized but for how difficult it is to pull off these tournaments the fact that they generally end within a, a year or 13 months that's been great. And the only one that's still lingering is the, the second cruiserweight season, which is postponed because of all the mess that happened in Latvia. Thank you, adolescent Robert Bird. Uh, <laughs> what can you do? I think overall it's a success. I'm also afraid that it won't be around because it just may not have the money or the backing. And you got the great Lube DeBella out here just crapping on it left and right to the press whenever he can about the, the lack of the lack of exposure it provides. But, you know, it, it gave pretty good exposure to Alexander Usyk. It gave pretty good exposure to Naoya Inoue. Both those guys broke out as real pound-for-pound pound stars, and they're from, from outside the States. And if that means that the tournament goes on looking for foreign fighters, talent in smaller weight classes, I can live with that. But, but please don't go away. I need you, WBSS. Uh, it was also a great year for shoulder content, Rafe. Some of these platforms in which I, I, you know, I may have. I, I may also have... hope that doesn't go away. I love, oh. I love face to face. I love me some Brian Campbell in between two fighters. Yeah, that may be the end. You know that, that nothing, nothing great ever lasts forever, Rafe. Okay, nothing. You know, sometimes you're just left with the holding the bag, right? Sometimes you're just left with it in your hands, right? He's standing in front of the net with about eight inches of his shaft in his hand. 
That happens. All right, we got a lot to recap. I mean, good Lord, it was Jeff Horn fight week. I mean, Jeff Horn was a real man. We're going to get into that. Chavez, Jax, all that good stuff. We're going to do so. After a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, all right. Dig it. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now streaming. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. And we're back. 2019 year in review to come. We're going to look ahead to the Gervonta Davis return on Showtime this weekend. But Rafe Boogs, there's really three headlines we need to serve up and break down in terms of the weekend recap. And it wasn't just the weekend because last Wednesday morning, it didn't go down in Bendigo but the rematch did happen down under. Shout out to Aussie Boxing. Them sloppy Joes continually give us stuff to talk about. It was a down under Super Bowl all over again. Jeff Horn running it back at middleweight against our favorite stripper, Michael Zarafa. His family, his team told him, no, Jeffrey. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. Don't do it. But as we learned once again, the guy has balls, Rafe. He fights like a tough Tough gang member. Jeff Horn rallies back from a vicious cut. Doctor about to stop it. Scores two Corrales Castillo looking. You better effing get inside on him type knockdowns. And scores a majority decision win. Holy cow, Rafe. Who saw that coming? I I totally believed that Michael Zarafa was going to Put that man away just like he said he would, just like he said at that great press conference where he's like, I'm going to end your effing career, mate. And Jeff Horn sitting there all meek and Jeff Horn like says, no response. My, I will respond with my fists in the ring. But he does. He <laughs> fights like a tough, tough gang member, Brian. It was insane. And the man is he's, – he's, he gets new life, right? They talk, He saved a big money – uh, junior welterweight fight with Tim Zhu next year in in Australia, and just I mean, oh, but but I guess not to get too far ahead of myself. That ninth round, Brian, was oh I think that's the I, we we can talk about it later. But that's that that feels like a round of the year to feels me. Like that the best that was just... I've ever seen since Scotty Ward won. I mean, good lord, that seriously. Jokes aside, and I know that we we give extra play to Jeff Horn in these type of situations because we love it. We love us some on the chin written by Alex McClintock. Hey, pick it up for the holidays, all right? You know, get the e-reader version, whatever you have to do. Um, this is a legitimate round of of the year, round of the day. I mean, it's this end of this fight was freaking insanity, and for Jeff to gut this out. Keith Thurman wasn't wrong, okay? 
when he screams stuff at the world. Okay, and and it, Brian Campbell took a while to find it, but he wasn't wrong. Jeff Horn was a real man. Yeah. He said, Manny Pacquiao, you don't got nothing. This dude has legitimate toughness, Rafe. I mean, the guy's got balls. It's insane. Rafe, if you told me right now, what is Jeff Horn, 32, 33, something like that? Sounds right, yeah. He's probably going to fight Canelo. Like, like, you know what the biggest failure of 2019 was? In the streaming wars when, good God, Ryota Morota, whatever, Morota fought this weekend. I see Dan Canobio tweeting that he's up at 4 a.m. to watch it on the Plus. The Plus has given us MTK Global until it's bleeding out of our eardrums, and you can't give us horns of Rafa, too? So if you can't Plus, I got the zone on line one. Because we may end up seeing Canelo and, and Jeff Horn one day. Because the dude just lingers, and when you have a nation behind you, you can get in big fights. That would be hilarious. Uh, I don't know if I think that's appropriate. I don't know if I'm really convinced now that Jeff Horn is a legitimate middleweight, but he did win a fight at 160. He proved himself. I think it's more likely he gets that shot at Rio de Murata that Michael Zarafa was looking at if he didn't have to go straight into the Horn rematch. But the man, damn, Jeff Horn just keeps coming through. He gets another. He's got nine lives. This guy, and of course, we know how it goes in Australia. If you got, if you all, if you're resilient at all, he's going to be fighting <laughs> 20 years from now at Heavyweight. lightweight yes. against <laughs> like some up and coming fighter. He'll be fighting Anthony Mundine's grandson at heavyweight soon. Eventually, wow, 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 wow. Everyone's got their favorite fighter, Rafe. A lot of times, like. These guys just attach to us. We don't think they're our favorites, yet every time they fight or every time we get a chance to talk about them. Rafe, I think we love us some Jeff Horn. It's just what it is. It's just, it's weird, but, like, you can't judge a guy. Some people you just attract to. I'm a big, big fan of Charlie Shalomov. <laughs> He's, like, 350 and 0 or whatever. <laughs> Charlie Zebra! He can actually fight. For a guy who don't practice fairly boxing or whatever. Well, he's able to take uh, Deontay's punches yeah, He had a draw with Deontay Wilder. <laughs> and he beat up Floyd Mover Senior. Oh, yeah, that's right. And who else? He's challenged me out many times, and I'm not brave enough to challenge him. <laughs> who else? And everybody else as well. Rafe, that was Tyson Fury talking about his fighter crush on Charlie Zelenoff, one of the... Uh, one of the one of the uh, ballsiest ch- uh, boxing challengers out there today, open weight division. Um, I grew up a Litzow fan in boxing, Jason Litzow. And Jeff Horn is just a thing that it's like, it's like, you know what? There's the tradition in the men of my family, our big toe on our right foot. It's just disgusting. There's like fungus. Like I, I'd stub it all the time. It's changed colors a few times. Um, we call it the peepa toe in my family. Cause, cause peepa grandpa, had a really bad peepa toe, or it was disgusting. Um, Jeff Horn is my peepa toe, Rafe. It's like it's good, like it's gross, and he attaches to me, but I can't get enough of him. He's become a part of me. I need him to get sent to hell by Canelo. This is how it has to end, Rafe. If it ends that way, you just got to tip your hat to Jeff Horn for talking his way into that. Because that's that's the other great thing Jeff Horn does. After he wins a fight, he calls out every legend in the sport, past and present, all the way back to Harry Greb. He does not care. Did he call He'll out fight. anybody now? Did he call who he, he called? He didn't. I didn't hear. Well, we didn't. We didn't see this fight, so we didn't get to see. Or we saw some 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 highlights, and and someone posted that ninth round. But it's hard to catch that whole fight live. Uh, well, we couldn't catch it live. Hard to even catch the replays. 
we, I, I haven't yet seen what the comments were after the the fight, but even if he didn't, he's got enough of a track record. He, you, I guarantee you, he will be calling out Canelo, Floyd, Manny, any big name he can, saying, "Well, I think I've I've earned a shot." I love anybody that'll call Canelo. You know, three special words: bring me Canelo. All right, all right, Dan. You know, you remember what Danny said about Canelo, right? He thinks he could stop him, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll stop Canelo. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll stop Chavez Jr. I'd stop Canelo. I'm not Canelo. I'm I'm not, I'd make Chavez Jr. run from the ring. Um. So hey, big win for Horn. Big win for Australia. Rafe. These folk heroes down there. That's what these men do. They give their lives for us. I, I love me some Jeff Horn. Uh, speaking of Chavez Jr. Friday night, the zone fight got relocated to Phoenix. And Danny Jacobs, uh, <laughs> where do we start here? This was such a Chavez Jr. fight because, of course, he misses weight by almost five pounds. Of course, he's like, ah, don't worry. I'll fight you at, uh, at, uh, uh, 173 where I'm the lineal champion. And, you know, he gives up a million of his $3 million salary to, of his purse to Danny Jacobs for the fight to continue. Near, far, wherever you are, the fight will go on. Sorry, Gabe Rosado. I got to get that sound of Gabe Rosado going nose to nose with Danny Jacobs, by the way. Uh, and then it's just a pure car wreck. Chavez comes in with dyed blonde hair with a blue patch on top. Like, the last person I saw that, Rafe, was, like, addicted to, to E. Like, I mean, what's going on here? And and then he, you know, he, he's jacked. I mean, he's jacked. I mean, please, somebody check that blood test. And then after the first round, it's just like, oh, you know, at first it was like, damn, he's two weight classes bigger than Danny. And then Danny used that stick and lit him up, and then the fight's over after round five in a typical Chavez exit. Trash in the ring. He says his nose, she said his hand is broke. Freddie said the nose is broke. Now there's weird hospital pictures of father and son. Seniors mad. Rafe, what the hell do we do with this circus? Nothing. I mean, why those who watched enjoyed, make fun of it, have your laughs, and move on. It means nothing. It meant nothing going in. We didn't learn anything about what level Danny Jacobs is going to be or anything more. I mean, we expect him to be good because he's a very big and very good middleweight. So it it makes sense that he could be a problem for a lot of the top fighters at, at super middleweight. But he didn't fight at super middleweight on Friday night, and he didn't fight a super middleweight on Friday night, and he didn't fight a much of a professional boxer at all, whether you want to qualify that in terms of professionalism, making weight, not taking performance enhancing drugs and running away from VADA testers all the time. Uh, all the, the entire Chavez experience and circus, it all came to a funny, but ugly head on Friday night. And that's how men deal. That's how men roll. I'm sorry, Rafe. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, John Fury what, is, nailed it. You take any? Do you take anything away from this? I, th- I, I we, he's got to stop. So this thing of uh, you know, I go away for a year and a half. I come back. I act like I'm serious, and he got into really good shape. I'm sure. I'm sure we all question how at this point, but like this looked like the Fonfara fight. Like, oh uh, crap! I realized I'm in a fight here, so I'm just gonna go. And and it, and look, people are ripping me on Twitter because I basically tweeted out, look, like he's a disgrace to boxing. So. Like, it's got to stop. Let's just end the charade. And people are like, oh, tough guy. You ever? It's not about me being a tough guy. Have I ever boxed? This guy ducked out on a drug test. They moved it states. 
he comes in insanely unprofessionally overweight, and as soon as the fight gets heated up a bit, he just walks away. Like, he shouldn't be in there. It's it's not about who's who's tough. Am I tough that I can make this comment? Who cares who I am? I get paid professionally to, to make those comments. It's about that guy shouldn't have been in there. And then I got insiders hitting me up going, uh, this we're talking about like a, a, a guy whose personal life is out of control. He should not have been in that ring. He's got personal issues that need cleaning up. It's criminal that he's that he was in that ring, that the promoters, you know, took that chance and put him out there to make that money player. It just felt gross and sad, Rafe. It wasn't fun and comical anymore. It was gross and sad. And there is a level of fun and comical in boxing, even when it's a little bit sad, because there's just so much ridiculousness in this sport and some of that we cling to and we love. But, like, he's going to get hurt. And, he like, this whole charade of, like, I'll pay my way to set the stakes so that I can keep fighting smaller guys. Like, hey, Brian Vera, come up with three weight classes, and then I'm going to miss weight on top of it and try to lean on you the whole fight to prove to you that I'm the man. Like, stop that crap. Any real fighter is going to knock him out, Rafe. He punted against Canelo for money. Stop. Sure. I, I, I have no problem with that. I didn't ask to see Chavez Jr. back in the ring. He had he had fought all of one round against Everett Bravo since that Canelo performance in 2017 when we got to hear, Golovkin, you are next, <laughs> my friend. And uh, it was just – yeah, but, but who – Nobody asked for this, really. It was a it was a cash grab by the promoters. I guess it worked. They got a great crowd there in Phoenix, who were at first excited to see Chavez, then started throwing beer at him. It, it, it look, they they if they didn't know something like this was going to happen, then they're stupid. They probably did know that something like this was going to happen I'm because they're they not stupid, but they didn't care because they figured they could get their money and walk away with it anyway. The thing that honestly, the thing that that uh, so that's the Chavez problem. There's the bigger sort of more sport wide problem for me is that the the lengths that Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, DeZone, Danny Jacobs all went to enable someone who they pretty much knew was trying to get away with not being tested for yes, this fight. Yes. That is that 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 kind of precedent if it spreads to actually competitive fighters who we know that performance enhancing drugs is an issue throughout boxing, not just for guys who are trying to get in shape at the last minute or something and haven't fought for 2 years. If that kind of stuff happens, that's not that's really really dangerous and and it's not something that's funny and it shouldn't be something that you can venue shop your way from state to state to evade. It felt a little bit like Danny Garcia and crew allowing Eric Morales to do that 2012 rematch when when he failed the for the tainted me and it's sort of like oh it's all right we'll we'll, we'll still fight him because we know we're getting the payday and the close up and the opportunity to knock him cold and it felt way grosser though and it's like. I got to turn it back on Eddie Hearn. I know he says things like this, and he might be right. Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. But they don't. Boxing's about making money. He's about making money. He's as greasy as all of them. He just does it in such a well put together machine with the six seven in the in the waistcoat in the snazzy talk. He makes me want to buy a used car from him that I can visually see has four flat tires. And he makes me makes me hope that he'll hang out with me afterwards and have a beer, even though I know he never will, Rafe, okay? But still, this was criminal. It's like, so what? You made a G today, but you made it in a sleazy way, right? Indeed, indeed. And like, that's just the way it is. And, and some things will never change in boxing, but, you know, 
I thought it was almost apropos that the crowd, which was like so pro Chavez and Phoenix, and rightfully so, right? Like they should be like that, and they were a great crowd. And then they turned nasty when Chavez took away from them what they paid for, a fight. They want to see him go out on his shield. They want to see him persevere. They want to see him be a Chavez. When that was taken away from them, even though I don't condone by any means the danger of just throwing crap and the announcers got hit and poor Danny Jacobs is trying to do the interview in there and he's getting tattooed by things it was almost fair and apropos for the people that put on that fight. And if you're going to link Danny Jacobs in that category of enabling him, and I think you're right. If Danny Jacobs agrees to take the money when Chavez comes in five pounds over, it's like you're also enabling him. I'm not saying you had to just go fight Gabe Rosado, but it's all, it's just gross, Rafe. So sometimes I'm all in on the slop, not this time. Yeah, well, it's just disturbing that look. I, Danny Jacobs deserves to to make a good living, and and shoot, he's had he's made a ton of money this year, and great for him, right? Danny Jacobs, you're the boy, but the idea that you have all of these signs pointing to your opponent being dirty in some very serious ways, right? Running away from drug testers, regardless of whatever legal maneuvers and argument you have to not have been tested is a huge red flag and for the the fighter with a great reputation that is in there with that guy Danny Jacobs in this case it just looks bad for him to be like well I don't care what he's on well what does that mean why why don't you care shouldn't you care shouldn't everyone care uh it's like yeah well I don't care if he's cheating I can cheat too now I'm not saying anybody else did but it's just that's the that is the message it sends um and it's a bad message and to risk that sort of thing to to have that kind of message for this fight for this guy do you think i care what that guy who came in at that weight who said those things do you think i care what that guy does says about me no (laughs) i don't this is not cool this is not what the public and the market audience want to see Bad look by Eddie Hearn and company. Bad look indeed. It gave us comedy. Then it got sad. And um, But you know what will happen, Rafe? Eh, take nine months thing. off. Same thing again. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Saturday night, PBC on Fox. They did the business. Junior middleweight title rematch. And it was Jermel Charlo regaining his WBC title. Three, four knockdowns overall. Sorry, three overall. Two in round 11. Finally, Harrison stopped against the ropes by referee Jack Reese. Rafe, fun-ass fight. Holy crap. For as much as that first fight was slow and tactical, and I thought Jermell Charlo's lack of activity allowed a smart and tough fighter like Tony Harrison to linger and have a chance at stealing a decision, this was the opposite of that because Jermell Charlo came out early and tried to make it a war, was wild, was like, I'm taking my title back. No judges. Love that. Then it kind of turned into a tactical war. And then I thought he was losing the fight by a wide margin, and he kind of needed that knockout. So there's a lot to talk about here. But number one, you talk about a late addition. I don't think it's top five fight of the year, but it's a late addition to the conversation. It was fun. Fun Fun-ass fight, bro. Fun Great action, great – I mean, you talk about these guys, especially when they fight this way, 
are a fantastic contrast and mix of styles because you have Charlo. Charlo is a very good boxer, but Tony Harrison for the six first six rounds of any fight might it might be a pound for pound best kind of boxer on the planet. I mean, Damn. he is super good. Yo, how good's his counter jab? It's so accurate, right? So accurate. The timing is impeccable. Disrupts the guy he's going in against he we saw in this one he used it in a different way not just fighting off the not he wasn't really fighting he wasn't moving a ton in the first fight but he was off the back foot and kind of turning and pivoting and resetting the action here he was walking charlo down in those rounds three to six and using the jab the whole time and then getting in close and and out fighting charlo inside and really just really doing beautiful work and to me, uh, look, it, it was a, it was such a fun, really exciting fight. I, the, the, I, I go, come away feeling so bummed out for Tony Harrison because it's to me, he's he's now in my list of like the the top fatal flaw guys in the sport because with his personality, his sense of humor, his ability to talk and be quick on his feet, with his talent with his boxing ability that guy could he has everything to be a star he has a charisma too i remember That's interviewing right. him on that initial friday night fights level rise that he had and he and he was cronk to the gills and it was like damn this guy might be it he can talk and he can punch and and then he then he showed his vulnerability. Yeah, he rebounded from those two knockout defeats to really get back into becoming an elite fighter, and he still is, Rafe. But yeah, he's flawed. But he's got that one thing. He's going to his. He runs. It doesn't totally run out of gas, but he gets he weakens down the stretches of the stretches of fights. Right rounds nine through twelve, and he's very susceptible to being knocked out. He doesn't have the greatest. Not he's not a mere Khan chin territory, but. He's, it's it's vulnerable, and the defense that that carries him through the first eight rounds of a fight all of a start, sudden falls apart, and then it, it it all unravels so fast. And it's so sad because you're like, oh, you just it's like it's watching the tragic hero whose one fatal flaw is always going to come back and and force his downfall before the end of the play or the book. Like that it's, handsome it's man, Linares. It's, it's Shakespeare. Yeah. It's it's. It's Greek tragedy, Brian. He's a Detroit Linares. Yes, yes, he is. I got to yeah. get some sound. Did you – you didn't listen to the interview that I did with him on this podcast a couple weeks back, right? Yeah, I watched PBC face-to-face. No, no, no. I asked him about, like, what is it about being from Detroit? You know, what is it, man? And he went on a, like, a rant that was epic about grimy chicks, about, oh, man, you got you to hear it for yourself. I'll play it on the show for you soon. Um. Wow, one Detroit guy with a backbone, but vulnerable, being talked about by another new Detroit guy that's somewhat vulnerable due to your weakness to that liquid crack, Rafe. But um, uh, we got a DM slide this week from Juan at someone else. Shout out to that name, right? Shout out to that handle, all right? He says, uh, amazing battle, guys, last night between Charlo and Harrison. Just curious, if you scored it, what did you have it before the final round? Rafe, were you scoring at home? I was scoring at home. I did the thing where I was shading the the closer rounds toward 
the man I expected to be the house fighter who was Jermel Charlo and, and did get even more rounds shaded to him by the actual judges. I had it 6-4 for Tony Harrison going into that 11th round. Uh, and of course, the knockdown in round two. So I guess he would have been up one point on my card. But I, I, saw, the, I saw that a lot of people online had 7-3, some even 8-2, which seems like a lot. I mean, they were, they, they were close rounds in that. It was not uh, – uh, I thought – I thought Tony Harrison was winning, but yeah, dude, uh, I had him up. So the scores that we saw that came out were, of course, before the knockdowns. They were the scores at the time of the stoppage, and they were one for Harrison close, two for Charlo close. I went back and watched that after knowing the result, but you know, and scored it closely and had it seven three Harrison. And I thought, okay, I really would only give back one round where I thought was more of a coin flip. I thought Harrison was soundly outboxing him. Harrison recovered so nicely from Charlo forcing him into a brawl early, stood his ground, and then turned it into his kind of fight and mastered the infighting. In fact, my scorecard through most of the fight mirrored that great ringside unofficial judge they have. Let's give him a shout-out, by the way. Marcos Viejas has done a spectacular job. The journalist. The journalist was was succinct on his breakdowns and my score pretty much mirrored his Rafe Harrison turned Charlo into the worst version of himself, which is what Brian Campbell. It's the guy who doesn't throw enough punches, who doesn't jab, who's so in love with his power that he wastes rounds trying to land the perfect counter shot. And when it doesn't come, you get these situations where people are like, man, I know that I've seen a few flashy knockouts from him. I know that he says certain things about himself and his ability. Speaking of Marcos. Yeah, you know him the best. But in really close fights, he's he's not the best. Rafe, this was a, 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 a regression from Charlo for the majority of this fight. And then he turned it on and did exactly what he had to do when it mattered most. So I say shout out to Derek James who started to kind of get in his ear and be like, you know, you got you to go. You got to go after it. But Harrison's that he's the perfect kryptonite. If you ain't like if you if you're not sure whether you a lion or a snake, Rafe, because if you ain't a lion, he's going to dog you. Right. And he had the perfect counterboxing antidote. I'm I'm nervous that Jermel Charlo, once he consistently fights the best, the J-Rocks, the, the Swift Herds, that he's not the real. That that he never I, that he never really was pound for pound level. That some journalists, not Marcos Viejas, jumped the gun on putting him in their top ten. And that if you can box, you can disarm disarm that man. Yes, I think that he he is not the best pure boxer in his division. I think the best pure boxer in that division probably is Tony Harrison. However, he can't. He can't put together a full 12 round performance against elite competition uh, three out of four times in his career. We've seen, which is a bummer, man. I I love me some Tony Harrison, but Jermel Charlo. See, I think that against some of the other top fighters in the division, whether it's somebody like Jarrett Hurd or whether it's even even against J Rock, who mix it, who who is a really really smart, well schooled boxer puncher. A little bit in the style of of or or who can mimic some of the things that Tony Harrison did to to 
really outbox uh, Jamel Charlo throughout the majority of the rounds they fought against each other in two fights, right? Um, but I, I think that Charlo's power, his athleticism, his aggression, and I think that Harrison is that good of a boxer that he can make other good boxers look pedestrian in ways that I don't I don't see heard necessarily doing at all and i don't think even maybe j-rock will be able to show the same contrast in in skill level that that tony harrison was able to now j i think j-rock can do some other things to to make that a very interesting fight and maybe prove that he is the man at 154 but that's the thing with charlo he even if he's not perfect or he's got some of these flaws there are things that a, a really great boxer can do to, to give him trouble. The man clearly has a chin because Tony Harrison has knocked out a lot of guys and hurt a lot of guys. And this, he, he never really, the body shots seem to bother Charlo in say rounds three, four, five, but Charlos just never was, was badly hurt at all and kept coming and stayed with it and was powerful and fast and explosive to the end of the fight when he finally got a chance to get go for that knockout and he can do things just because I think he is a more explosive athlete than than these other really strong athletes in the division and he can come up with that shot out of nowhere that they don't see or that shakes them up with that that makes up for some of the whether it's because he's fighting reckless and wild and winging those punches or because he's just against a guy who's a like a little bit sharper than him, he can make up for that. So I wouldn't necessarily count him out. The thing that I would be so interesting if he fights. So and, and Hurd, Hurd ain't no, you know, Floyd Mayweather man. He's a he's he's you know he's big margarito, right? I mean, he's gonna come in black and margarito. Right? And, and what's honest, that? He's black margarito. I, look, I don't see color, Brian. What are you talking no, about? So who, no, who, he, who told me that? Who called him that to me? Somebody. That's a good point. Somebody. It was a great. Was it? It was a great quote. Yeah, somebody – I talked to a trainer who called him that, and then I relayed that back to Hurd, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, Hurd – yeah, that would make that fight really exciting because Hurd would be the guy to just trust his chin to try and walk through Charlo. Um. And I think that Charlo, who can box – I mean, he would outbox Jared Hurd. Um, J-Rock, that's a lot more interesting. Well, could he outbox? Wait, Rafe, yes. he should out. He should be outboxing more dudes. And there was a point in his career where we labeled Jermel the boxer of the Charlo twins. And you remember there were times where we thought, well, he's a little bit too boring. He doesn't let us, he doesn't throw enough power punches. He's boxing too much. My problem now is if he was as reckless on the regular that he was in the first three rounds against Harrison, that's a flawed way of trying. But at least he's trying to get people out of there. I think it's worse when he tries to be sniper and doesn't throw any punches at all. I thought Joe Goosen was nailing it on the commentary. By the way, I thought Fox had a rough night at the office all around on the commentary. But when Charles is using his jab to set up these punches, man, he's got a much, 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 much better chance. I don't like this sleeping lion version who's just waiting to growl. Like, if you got a big, let me search it, right? Put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it, right? If the all from and if it ran Yang home. But you got to set that up with the jab. I don't I'm singing this Missy Elliott garbage to me, man. I was never into Missy. Um, But, Brian, but, um, yeah, that's right. If, if a more consistent, steady effort, a more classic, you know, breakdown opponent style, I think I, I, I favor that 
I, I fa- in this fight, I, I favor the Russian. Um, but uh, Charlo's pretty effective with, with what he's doing, even if it, it, there are some moments where he gets out boxes and loses the fight. How, so the, if, if we see down the line Julian Williams against Jermel Charlo, which Stephen Edwards, the bread man, J-Rock's trainer, has said a couple times on the Showtime Championship Boxing Podcast, that fight is already signed. If if J Rock can get through Jason Rosario uh, on January eleventh, eighteenth maybe eighteenth eighteenth. So next month, if he can get through that, then they say that that unification is signed. Um, if that fight happens, the interesting thing that I would take there is we saw the job that J Rock did on Hurd on the inside. If J Rock can get inside on Charlo, I think he can outfight him. Maybe a lot like we saw Tony Harrison do for three or four rounds on Saturday night, and he can sustain that effort. You know, if if Jarrett Hurd can rebuild himself, that's that's still such a fun ass fight because he'll be in that kitchen all night on Jermel, and it'll be up to Jermel. That's probably the only fight where Jermel probably wants to do that that sniper role and try to pick and him he, off coming in. You know, the other obviously Jamal and Jermel Charlo are are different. They are different fighters. They're two people. They're also identical twins. And to the people, I, I understand that that Tony Harrison has exposed some flaws in Jermel Charlo over the past couple of fights. But to the, I, I saw sort of an, a growing consensus in the Twitter commentary about a possible Julian Williams Charlo fight, uh, Jermel Charlo fight. And it all seemed to favor Julian Williams because he's coming off this great win and and we sort of are newly appreciative of his gifts in the ring. And, that, and that's great. He deserves that. But at the same time, there's a sort of a common sense argument there being like, oh, hold up. That guy also lost to someone who shares the exact genetic makeup of Jamel Charlo got knocked out. So, um, you know, Charlo, that Charlo power is real, even if there are, it comes in an imperfect package. Very true. Speaking of packages, yes, indeed. Uh, hey, from that broadcast, we do have to talk about it. it's a big piece of news this week. Is that Errol Spence? Did oh, can make... I can I do one? Can I? Oh, yeah, what can do you, you got? Rafe? Can you in, can you indulge me in one fanciful thing, Brian? Please, please. I wrote about this on theAthletic.com today. Please dig that again. Yes. PB has to has to. They won't, but they have to make. 154 pound tournament they have seven of the top 10 guys at 154 all six all of the top six according to the transnational boxing rankings board never heard of heard (laughs) they kicked me out you know they kicked me out a few years ago for inactivity you were in tbrb for a for a hot second they kicked me out for not not responding enough so hey you gonna heard charlo erickson lubin um Tony Harrison, Brian Castaño, Erislandi Lara, J-Rock. There you go. Terrell Gaucher. Terrell Gaucher. Throw in in any one last guy to make it an eight-man field. Basically steal the idea of the WBSS. Run it all on PBC on Fox. Set it up so that you're most likely to get semifinals of uh, Heard, J-Rock 2, and... Harrison Charlo three pay-per-view the finals 
yo, turn it into a real event. I know people will say, well, they're already making a lot of this fights. You're basically getting that. No. Why would you have set them as standalone events and not maximize the marketing, the excitement, the potential of a tournament? Make that, make that tournament, player. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. But, you know, they don't do that type of stuff. They do what they want, okay? Amateurs. Fools. Idiots. All right, Dwyer, that's too far. All right? That's too far. When they try to insult you. Well, look, What's that I, mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we're kind of getting also, a Walter Wade. What if they go, I, I'm, I'm going to get really silly on you here, brother. Well, you sounds like you're underwater, Rafe. Did you enter the Lincoln Tunnel? Where are you? What's going oh, on? Oh, no, I don't know what's going on. Um, if we went to the, uh, instead of Terrell Gaucher or Wale Omatoso in that eighth spot, Jeff Hall. Stop. Yeah, stop that. He, he wants to fight at 154. He's not comfortable at 160. He's not sleeping right. He's not comfortable. They don't make them beds right, Brian. <laughs> By the way, I was at that press conference with Harrison and Charlie, and I didn't even hear any of that. I don't even like. I didn't even know what you're talking about. And then I clicked on that link, and I was like, "Damn, that's a." And I, I can't put it on the soundboard because there's some f words in it. But uh, Charlie went after that Airbnb lifestyle. He went at it, Rafe. You can't train where you're comfortable in Detroit. You got to go down to St. Pete. They don't make them beds right, Brian. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so, Rafe, let's move on here and get into Errol Spence Jr. Right. First time he spoke publicly. Interview ringside with Brian Kenny, the guy that used to go at Floyd back in the day, and he brought it. Spence said, first, I'll be back May of 2020. I don't want no tune-ups. I want the big names. I want the Manny Pacquiao's, the Danny Garcia's, which that's great. Then when asked a couple more times, I, I was curious why Brian Kenny kept going back to the well on the question that was already answered, but he kept going back to it, and then suddenly he's like, well, maybe summertime, or oh, maybe sometime in 2020. Whatever it is, it's great, obviously, to hear that he's back. I was happy that Brian Kenny didn't look past that there's a DUI involved in those elements. Uh, he did go to the well a lot on, uh, are you sure you're healthy enough to spar? Are you okay? In the end, we know that Errol's got new teeth. Yeah, Errol's got, got his teeth like 16 times. Errol's got new teeth. We know that. You could still see this, the scarring and bruising above his eye. And he's bloated, and he's probably rightfully so bloated because we're so used to seeing him in and around training camp, and now he's you know going through some hard times and recovering. I'm sure there's a deep mental recovery in that that you know we're not going to give him enough credit for having to endure, regardless of the fact that this was not a good scene, drinking and driving, all that. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from this? And also, if you don't bring it up, I want to hear your take on the controversy of the drive safely quote from Brian Kenny. Um, I mean... So Brian Kenny, we know, is an antagonistic personality on a broadcast, and that's his trademark. He does it well. He's appropriate. He's polite, but he goes after it. He gets into little arguments with everyone. He was getting into arguments during the main event with Joe Goosen and Lennox Lewis over what was happening in the ring. He was arguing with Marcos Viegas' scorecards at points. He was arguing over whether Charlo should have celebrated when he thought the fight was called off at one point. And it oh, wasn't my God, yet. he was harping on that. He, I mean, he thought Bradley beat Pacquiao the first time, Rafe. He killed um, the and, win in Major and League in Baseball. Some, some, some scenarios, that is exactly what you want from your broadcaster. You want, for, for example, Friday night fights. Inter confronting Floyd Mayweather, not backing up an inch, that kind of pugnacious attitude exactly. and aggression, that you is his trademark. Turn off your station. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's that is, and that's just who he is as a as a television personality. Perhaps, probably in real life too. And and he does it in his baseball work too, where he's been sort of con- talking like like out outsmarting people who are against statistics in baseball for t- like a decade. You know, he that's that's what Brian Kenny does, and we saw it a little bit. I I think we got some of the good and bad of it uh, on. Saturday night in his interview with Errol Spence, because on one hand, I think that it helped PBC and Errol Spence a lot that it happened to be Brian Kenny and not a more favorable kind of in-house character doing this interview. Give me with a name. Spence. Give me a What's name that? of a, give me a name of a potential. Literally character. anyone else who works there. Jordan except for Brian Campbell. Like yeah, Jordan yeah. Plant or, yes. or I think Jordan yeah. Plant probably would have given him the soft touch. Um, are you saying that she already uh, that? <laughs> what are you saying? Stop it! Stop that crap! Stop! I'm saying it wouldn't have been as hard hitting of an interview, and I think that the hard hitting interview, while it did turn off some viewers because they thought, "Man, this guy's been through." Errol Spence has been through a lot. Why does he have to come on and uh, have Brian Kenny give him the third degree? I think that it actually could have helped PBC and Errol Spence in a way because if it had been someone who was coming with a much more softball approach, it it might have looked much worse. It might have looked like a, a welcome back ceremony, uh, like a, a, a big party, like, wow, great, Errol, we're so happy. And that's the wrong tone to send uh, after what Errol Spence did, the reality of what Errol Spence did, which was get drunk, get behind the wheel of a Ferrari, crash it in an extremely dangerous fashion, and is not only lucky to have survived and come out of it so healthy himself, which we're all, we're all grateful for, but we're even more grateful that he did it, that his actions didn't hurt or kill anyone else, which is something that happens every day in this country. So it would have been murder. Air is too big, too strong. Um, it would have been even worse if it had felt if the if the interview had come off like some sort of oh this is all oh yay welcome back we're so happy if it had come off triumphant you don't want that tone all right I I what I agree I like that Brian Kenny was a little bit of a dick that he was hard hitting it, it, it you know it it brings back the days of a Larry Merchant of what Jim Gray still does from time to time on Showtime I want that spot to be so much more hard-hitting than it normally is. And it's weird because I don't dislike the work of, uh, of what's her name on the Fox in-ring interviews? Heidi, Heidi, um, uh, uh, Heidi um, Andrell. Uh, Andrell. By the way, Heidi Andrell in person is a joy. Amazing person. Beautiful. Amazing. Talented. All that. Loved her work in UFC. Um, she was more hard-hitting in the, in the post-fight interviews than she normally is, and people were kind of clowning on it. Did you hear Joe Goosen, like, groan when she at, when she was talking to uh, Tony Harrison? He's like, man, I got a lot to work on and go back. I made mistakes. She's like, what? Like what? Like what? And Goosen had the hot mic, and he was like, oh, come on. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on. I kind of agree with that. But That woman judged, yeah. Brian. <laughs> but uh, I like that it was hard-hitting. But then he said drive safely. And I think he was trying to be more polite than smart polite, given the situation. But a lot of people had issues. Ray Flores going hard in the paint on Twitter over it. 
um, PBC on PBC Crime there. Although to be no, honest, that's just a man who knows where his bread is buttered. All right, a lot of the a lot of the most vocal um, people who took offense to this are people who want to be very clear in messaging whose side they're on. I'm on all sides, Rafe. I cash all checks, okay? But in Brian Kenny as well, by the way, who's a DAZN announcer who's filling in while everybody's doing... Some, uh, some might call you the Yousaf Mack of <laughs> boxing commentators. Hey, 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 hey. All right. All right. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Rafe. Uh, wow. You're, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is hot. Yes. Wow. It is good. Yeah. Going back. You're excited. <laughs> Not really. Uh, so... When Brian Kenny said, you know, strap season, good luck to you, buckle up, bro. Uh, it's borderline. It's borderline. It's, it's, uh, like, I'm okay with it because the severity of the situation. Like, we can't, we can't gloss this up. And I'm glad that they didn't, like you said. I'm glad it wasn't looked past. And, and thank God. And by the way, thank God, first of all. Yes, thank God. But not looked past that there wasn't a, crime committed here and all that well there was a crime committed but just a much lesser crime but at the same time it was a little insensitive Rafe. yeah no what look i think you that comes with the brian kenny experience you're right he, he, he can he comes off dickish sometimes yeah he brian uh, has a stick yeah there's no doubt about it uh rafe did you see though the snapchat video that errol spence put out there's a little controversy coming off this no i didn't i saw that he i saw his tweet Sort of joking that like Brian Kenny's like the DA. Okay, that, now that was funny. That was funny. Okay. See, I think it's funny, but I also think it's not a great look. Just in that, Errol Spence right shouldn't really be discussing any of that because he's in the middle of legal proceedings and anything he like you know the Miranda rights. Anything you say can and will be used against you. So I, I thought it was totally appropriate when he said, "Look, I can't really talk about this." Because it's uh, it's it's in the courts right now. But if you're saying that in the interview, then you shouldn't come out on Twitter a few hours later and crack a joke about man, he was interviewing me like the like the cops. Well, do you think he should go on Snapchat, post a pic, post a video in his live Snapchat feed of his daughter in bumper cars at a amusement park, and write quote, "Girl, you drive like your daddy." End quote. Double crying emoji face. Um. Look. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's got to be strap season in the household and uh, for all the all the Spences at this point. Come on, bro. I hope she don't drink like her daddy. Oh, no, um, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. That, that, come we, on, Rafe. we are certainly not above making Rafe. really the worst, the worst. Yeah, come on, Rafe. Seriously. Maybe daddy uses marijuana oh dad so, so what daddy's got some pot coin that he wants to talk about. i mean come on richard dwyer all right all right enough of that rafe we gotta roll on um here's what we're gonna do okay we, we gotta be quick here we gotta get to the end of this show uh is there any news that we need to talk about before we get into a quick do you do, do you care sure um let's talk a little bit about what happened either just this morning let me school you let me update you sir on what you missed you don't bring Tensh- up Kel, don't bring up Kel Brook fighting the Bazooka Deluca because I'm not in on that on February. 8th. No, okay. These are <laughs> these are real. These are the fights that went down this morning in Japan, man. Oh, yeah. Ken Shiro, Randy Petelkorin, Ken Shiro. This guy, 
I'm I'm thinking great. about putting him in my top ten pound for pound. Oh, Just great. murderous body shots. You need to get up on the amazing boy. Then a nine round war, nine round war between Akira Yagashi and Maruti Mtalani. Mtalani won TKO. Yagashi was a last stand type performance. Just amazing. They threw like each uh, close to 800 punches or something in, in just nine rounds. It was, it was, man, it was a blast. Brian. What, what about else? Chocolatito? He was on that undercard. Did he win? Sent the guy to hell in two rounds. Ooh. And, yeah. Bang. Try and stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, and I just, just, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I really should not tell you this, but I will. Mtalani, the South African uh, flyweight or superfly, anyway, the, the, who beat Yagashi, wore into, after the, the fight, wore a cowboy hat as a tribute to Dwight Ritchie, the cowboy from Australia. Wow. What a touching moment. Right that there. is a touching moment. That, and that guy had plenty of business getting up from the body shot, and I really wish he did. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, look, we didn't talk enough about Zarafa fighting so quickly after, after uh, I mean, Madonna put out an album pretty quick after she sent Guy Ritchie to hell. But, I mean, this is a much different situation, Rafe. Not funny. Uh, I didn't watch Morayudo Murata. I mean, come on. The, the corner man tweeting about it. That's great. Hey, plus, get me Jeff Horn, okay? I'm not, that's it. That's it. Okay. I'm not going to let you talk about that anymore, Rafe. You all right with that? All right with that. All right. Uh, Broner's got to pay 830000 for sexual assault. That's in the news. Well, you know, whatever, whatever. Okay. Just another day living in the hood. Just yeah. another day around the way. All right. Do you care about this weekend, Rafe? It's time to find out. Okay. A little pre New Year's weekend. The fight you need to care about is Saturday Showtime, Atlanta, where Gervonta Davis is taking the show on the road. I got to give Showtime credit for this. They did not have a great 2019. We know that. But they've sort of identified the the fighters and the brands that they're going to back and that they'll be consistent with. They've been on they've been doing Tank Davis since the beginning, Rafe, okay? And he's proving, you know, I was there when he fought in Baltimore last time. And it may not have been against the opponent we all wanted, but that was a traveling show. The people showed up. He's a star, Rafe. He is a star. He has built this this, you know, you don't we think of this sport as either old white guys or or Hispanic fans. Yet Gervonta's got this young urban group of followers that that are that are hitting the road and he's on tour in Atlanta this weekend fighting for the WBA vacant regular lightweight title moving up to 135 against Yuri Orkis Gamboa and I know the natural refrain of people is being like man when's he gonna fight somebody and I get that and I think it's 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 work workful criticism I think it's fine I think moving up in lightweight will give him some more options but I don't hate this fight. Yes, I'm Team Gamboa for life, Rafe. I don't care how old he is because he defies the age curve. He's got quick hands. Yes, he's chinny. Yes, he's probably going to get knocked out. But it's, he's going to make it fun. And he couldn't be any hotter after sending the husk of Rocky Martinez to the basement floor of hell a few months back. I'm here for this piece of business, Rafe. And it has nothing to do with my ability to cash Showtime checks. I like this fight. I don't blame you, Brian. I think this. I, I think that some, that some of the criticism of this fight, of this matchup, is warranted. I, look, the case against it. I'll make the case against it for you right now. Yuri Orkis Gamboa was a great, maybe had chances of being a historical featherweight. One weight category one two six, not one three five, 
where he's fighting now. He also had a rousing last stand type of performance. You know, remember when that was? What was that? 2014, 15? It came against Terrence Crawford. It's Terrence Crawford's best win. I don't know if I agree with that, but it was a really, really fun fight. And it was one where Gamboa summoned sort of that. He really was a last hurrah, like the last bit of I, true greatness I've seen in his career that where the first, he, I, th- I think I thought he won the first four rounds against Crawford. And that was something that Bud used to do more where he would just really let a guy do whatever at the beginning of a fight before sending him to hell. Remember uh, Delorme. Um, but so I thought that Gamboa came out strong, gave Bud some problems. And then after Bud started taking over, Gamboa came back, landed that shot in the ninth round. The only time, We've seen Bud Crawford badly hurt, and I would include whatever we saw, the knockdown, which I thought was more of a flash knockdown. It wasn't even called a knockdown against Mean Machine a couple weeks ago. But um, this, Brian, is uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a fantastic – so that's the case against it. And, and, he, and Gamboa hasn't been anything like that since. And he's always been the type of guy who gets knocked down a lot, Recovers pretty well, but he's fighting. He's 37. He's past. He's well past his prime. His his he had that last hurrah effort. He's got some talent still, and I think that will make it interesting for a while. But it's just not it, to be fighting a guy many think has could could be uh, competing against Vasily Lomachenko. This that that that's not a logical step. That's the case against it. I do like it though because. Gamboa's got balls, man. He, he that guy. We've we've in it. Remember, we interviewed him in Vegas that one time. Yeah, Gonzalez e Gonzalez. Yes. Yes. In New York, New York, and the guy, you know, he's got that 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 Cuban self confidence that I don't really care if I've lost. I don't care how old I am. I might be seventy five years old. I'm still better than you ever were. I am superior to you. I come from a superior boxing culture. And and my and that will carry out the day, and you will lose. Now he, he, he I don't think he's going to be right in this case, but he's probably very confident after that knockout against Rocky Martinez, where he who the uh, Martinez kind of kind of washed. But hey, Gamboa looked good doing. And uh, yeah, I like. By the way, this is a good undercard. Can I talk to you undercard? about it? I don't know about I don't know about that Badu Jack fight, but anyway. Um, I think Gambo is going to come with a lot of confidence. He's going to give it a shot, and it'll be very fun while it lasts. And and look, if 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 Javante Davis is not ready for this, if he hasn't, he's not taking it seriously. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Gamboa to make it really exciting to make it make make something crazy happen. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to find a path to victory for him. But unless Javante comes in on a real off night, and if he does, it could be a fun fight. Gamboa will let his hands go. Gamboa could get himself sent to hell early by letting his hands go, but he will, and he will have a speed advantage early. I don't care who you are. Gamboa finds a way to overwhelm you in the beginning of a fight. He's got that Amir Khan level of like, oh, crap, I forgot that he can do this, and then eventually gets sent to hell. But he's brave. He goes after it. It's going to be fun. I like the co-main event. Jean Pascal, fresh off that resurgent victory against Marcus Brown, stopping him for the WBA bootleg light heavyweight title. Going in there against Badu Jack, Rave, talk me out of it. Badu Jack is just not 
I don't know. They're both a little he, washy, Rafe. You can't lie here. I love me some Badu Jack, but he's not, he's starting to be on the other end of it. He definitely, yeah. He look, he's looked flat in a couple of performances now, and that's a problem. It's too bad because that that's coming off of a year that might have been his best year in the sport, where he looks great at the, the end of his run at 168. But hey, he, he may he may have lost that step. Pascal is Pascal, right? He just never quite goes over the hill. He, he's a, he'll, he'll always be able to beat the Egyptian magicians and the random hockey players and apparently also Marcus Brown on the right night. Um, this is just a, these, I, maybe, look, I, it could be more fun than I'm giving it credit for. I, but these guys, these guys don't matter. These guys don't matter in this division, right? They don't. No, they do. They do. I mean, not on the, not on the extreme elite level because the, all the uh, Ukrainians and Lithuanians do. But uh, uh, on the PBC side, it's a fun fun ass fight. It's a fun ass fight. Um, it's one of the. They just like they just keep recycling these. They do, it's but good we haven't for the seen fighters. this good, one. All right. Well, you know what? It's good for the fighters. Get that money, player. Yeah, I think it'll be a war. I think it'll be fun. Could be it could be slow because Jean Pascal doesn't always throw punches and Badu Jack doesn't always cut off the ring. Uh, uh, it depends on on you know how how the the styles mix on on the night. All right, Jose Uzcategui coming off the loss to Caleb Plant against Lionel Thompson, soon super middleweight. Do you care about that? I like Uzcategui. I also love Lionel Thompson as a frequent uh, like commentator in those Mayweather Boxing Club videos. Yes. Of course, gave the interview and prediction of the year when he suggested that Danny Jacobs might have a resurgence of his back cancer during oh, the middle of the Canelo fight and that it might play a role in the fight. Uh, that was just the, the left uh, turn of the century. Also, another great thing about L-Train, I heard this on the Showtime Boxing Podcast this morning, Raskin and Mulvaney. They said that, and apparently this came from the great, the Hall of Famer, Steve Farhood, who, who dug this up, who did this research. Shout out to the Farheads. Lionel Thompson watches the Denzel Washington movie, The Equalizer, every night, period, of his life. Not before every fight, every night. Okay. That's great. <laughs> I, I, I think that's magic. Right, what, we, would you, what movie would you do that with, Brian? Um, Tommy Boy. I, how are you going to not say Out for Justice? Yeah, it, you know what? You're actually right. It would probably be more oh, better. You're really gonna do? Bobby no, Lupo it would have like to be that. a it would have to be an action movie like that. Just a relentless, absurd action movie. Riff, we got to fast forward here. We got to end your 2019 year end awards. I'm gonna stumble through some words. Um, on this undercard though, the Egyptian magician's back. Ahmed El Biali against Brian Vera. Ten rounds oh, light oh, heavyweights. Oh. Rafe, this is the the crust of Brian Vera, who has given us many good fights as an opponent. But that was a long time ago, Rafe. I'm I'm afraid to call up his box right here. He even had that storied career in the pit with BKB. Yeah, he's 37. His record is 26 and 15. Rafe, uh, do you remember when? Chavez Jr. made him come up a couple weight classes, and he fought his ass off. It, you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. Now right? he's yes, I remember. willingly going up to that said weight class, Rafe. Um, I've seen him lose a lot. I saw him beat Sergey Zinzaruk that time on Friday Night Fights. I was there in person in Verona. Rafe, he has lost four in a row. 
I'm going to bet you never heard of the four guys that beat him. I, I, well, put me to the test. You're probably right. Mike Gavronsky? Nope. Jazz Phillips? Phipps. <laughs> Jazz Phipps. Not, his record is 9-6-2. and two. Jazz Phipps. You're going to say no on that one, too. Cena Agbeko? No, not Joseph Agbeko. Marcus McDaniel? Uh, 0 for 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got stopped by Rocky Fielding four years ago? Oh, God. Oh, boy, Rafe. Well, I, I favor the Egyptian. I think the, the Egyptian is more to my liking. Yeah, wow. I feel bad here. I almost want to like give my salary to Varys. He doesn't have to keep doing this. Let's face it, too. Rocky Fielding is not on the Mount Rushmore of great super middleweight champions. Uh, very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. Uh, Rafe, uh, we got a title fight in France on Saturday. Arson Gulmerian versus Konstantin Bejinaru. 12 rounds for the WBA Cruiserweight title. That's your, that's your area, Rafe. Then as you said, gold Marion, I was like, cruiserweight? Uh, yeah, you know I care. Okay, Saturday in Osaka, Japan, Shoashida versus Israel Gonzalez in a junior bantamweight eliminator. I I don't really care, and I think that some uh, hipster guy is going to be accusing me of being a casual. New Year's Eve in Tokyo, main event, Kazuto Ioka will defend his WBO junior bantamweight against Javier Cintron. Oh, I got to I got to care about that guy. I know that's one of the names I got to check off to keep my hipster card. Uh Kosei Tanaka versus Wulan Tolahezi for the WBO Fly title? No. No. Another another must watch. Mio Yoshida will defend her WBO Women's Junior Bantamweight against Li Ping Shi. Stop that crap. All right. I got I got jokes that would be bad. All right, Rafe, oh, that's it. It's time to do the fun stuff, Rafe. Let's do year-end. Are you ready? 2019 was interesting. It was a bit of a banger, Rafe. All right? Bang, bang. Sometimes, you know, you want to bang a little bit. We're not banging. Let's let's talk about it. Let's riff a bit on boxing. Yes. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Rafe, let's start at the top. Let's start at the top. Rafe, a legitimate award. The most important award, Rafe. Fighter of the Year in 2019 from the State of Combat Boxing Podcast. You want me to tell you? It was was the kind of year where I think you had a lot of people with a case. But I don't think there was a lot with a very, very, very strong case. We just had the same debate in MMA you know, the skinhead white guys. And I'm like, man, I can't remember a year where this many people had a strong-ass case for number one. I feel like this year in boxing, there was a lot of warning track power cases, a lot of of solid-ass years. But how many great years did you see? Yeah, no, that's correct, Brian. There is, it's, it's hard to choose a standout fighter. There are a lot of people who had great years, but it, they just they moved their careers along. Uh, look, I'll throw out the obvious choice that I don't necessarily necessarily agree with. Why don't you just why don't you tell me your choice? That's what I'm interested in. I don't know my choice, Brian. All right, then I'll give you the four one one on this. All right. Mm-hmm. Big red, bro. Twenty nineteen. Your that fighter was the, of the obvious year choice. Is Canelo Alvarez? He unified middleweight titles against a freaking game, Danny Jacobs. A Danny Jacobs who I think left the fight inside the ring 
didn't leave himself in the ring. Like, like ha- had a chance to do more, should have done more. Yet, tough-ass boxing match. And then he moves up two weight classes and knocks out Sergey Kovalev and wins a light heavyweight title. He's the biggest star in the sport. Uh, yeah, it's Canelo's year. I don't, I like, in the argument, I think comes from best from the welterweight division. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think your next best argument is either Errol Spence or Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, those are good. Look, Canelo, he just did, he held par. He held held par. That's not how it goes. He made par. He shot par. He held serve. He did pretty much exactly what everyone thought he would do in both fights, which was win a competitive, narrow decision that I believe he deserved over Danny Jacobs. And then in the next fight, knock out Sergey Kovalev in a fight that Kovalev had. Well, we're not allowed to make excuses for Kovalev, but those excuses were real. We knew the issues about how much time he had to prepare for that fight were real before the fight and made every attempt to dismiss them. And then, of course, when he, when, when he pointed to them, got mad at Kovalev, that stuff is real. And it's part of the win, and it tends to be how fighters who can stack the deck in their favor often get the deck deck stacked in their favor. In any case, he was great. He is great. He rose rose on my pound-for-pound list, but... He just he he did what I thought he would do, and he he didn't do it in a manner any more spectacular than I thought he would do it. I guess that means I give Canelo a lot of credit for being a great fighter now because he is he did wow. he had you a great year. Very angry about this, very distraught, very down. Like yeah, all right, I guess I'll give it to Canelo. Whatever. I mean, Big Red sent Sergey Kovalev to hell, Rafe. Like yeah, he's only the, the and, second. And his other later, later Alvarez sent him to hell. I know, but he's a smaller guy moving up in weight, and his other win wasn't Beefy Smith. It was Danny Jacobs to unify titles. Like he had a great year, great. Well, very good. It was a year of very good. But he had, he was the greatest of the very goods this year. It's Big Red, Rafe. All right. <laughs> All right, that's that's it. That's why, it. Why not? Why not Manny then? Who? Okay, the Broner fight. Eh, you know, we we expected that, but the the performance against the game, Keith Thurman, who fought hard, who hurt Manny a couple times in that fight, landed crazy shots, and it was a memorable fight. It was a fight that people loved watching. It was the best performing pay per view of the year. You could say that now that Canelo is off pay per view. He's not carrying boxing in the way that he used to. That Manny has to do it for him. You're letting the 41-year-old man carry the sport for you, Big Red. Well, Manny was 40 during this calendar year, and he had a great year. I ended up voting him third. I would not be angry, though, if someone made a strong case for Manny to win it. At 40, he was massively resurgent. He did his end, like you mentioned, on on being being a star. I mean, his... His, uh, we, 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 we rank traffic at CBS Sports. See which fights, which fighters bring us, you know, that's, that's what we go after. We're traffic chasers. Manny versus, versus Adrian Broner brought more traffic to CBS Sports than any other boxing or MMA fight this year. You wouldn't have guessed that. But it did. Maybe it was the perfect storm of one of those fights that's a pay-per-view, but people don't want to buy it, so they go searching in the live blog to see what's going on. I don't know. But, Biggest selling pay-per-view was against Thurman. And I think you can make a hipster argument 
that the best win of 2019 was Pacquiao over Thurman. How is that even a hipster argument? That's, I mean, there may be other contenders for that, but that is a, a, a there's a strong case for that. I mean, I, I guess other things I would put up there would maybe better BF over Vozdik. Yes. Gross dick. Yes. Very, very good. Very good choice there as well. Uh, Spence has to be there. Moves up to the pay-per-view level. And I don't care that Mikey Garcia was moving up. Look, he's the undefeated pound-for-pound ranked guy. He was a champion at one division below. And Spence straight up blanked him. And then it wasn't the knockout we thought because Porter fought over his head. I thought Spence took Porter a tiny bit too lightly, Rafe. But in a fight of the year contender, Spence was the clear winner. That's a great year. Two pay-per-views, unified do titles. You, do you knock Errol Spence at all for the car accident? Oh, Does that stop. take any luster no. away from a great year? What? I mean. It doesn't. It doesn't. So does that mean you don't uh, knock Josh Taylor at all for uh, pleading guilty to a uh, racist outburst against Yeah, a, that was weird, right? I mean, that's a crime he committed that takes away from his fighter of the year campaign, right? I ended up having Josh Taylor sixth, and that's almost criminal because he had such a great year. Baranchik and then Progray? Yeah, I put him as I put him number six in my fighter of the year voting. Canelo, Spence, Pacquiao. Number four, Rafe, Nayoa Anue, the damn monster, rolled through the WBSS, rolled through what was left in the jar of Donaire and a fight of the year contender. Moved up in weight yet again, dude. You're right, not a roll through. Moved up in weight yet again and continues to prove he's a stud. And then I gave five to Deontay Wilder. And I could see if you could be angry that Taylor's resume was better, but... You big daughter, Brian. No, dude. I mean, I, I'm. I think I'm the only one in the world here who thinks Luis Ortiz is really good. He's really freaking good. And Deontay Wilder, you know, blew away boobs Brazil, and he and he and then knocks out Ortiz in a in a very competitive fight. And I don't know. He had a great year. Josh Taylor's in this conversation. Would you give votes any? Would you throw votes anywhere else? A Teofimo Lopez Jr. Um. I mean, well, he did fight four times and, and came through big time in the end of the year. But no, look, I, it might just be that year. Let's let's give it to Canelo and and hope that we never have to do it again. All right, what about uh, what about at light heavyweight? Our turn, better to be. Would you give him a vote? Uh, he needed he needed to do more. He had what two fights? He beat Hot Rod and then he and then the, the uh, maybe the win of the year at the the against Vozdik and really really put himself on the map there in a way that we expected. We thought he might be that good, but now we know he is. Huge, huge performance. I would say that with the right matchups, maybe Better Biev could be a 2020 fighter of the year if he's busy enough, if he, if he gets the right, the right names on his, on his uh, resume. All right, Rafe, 2019 network of the year in boxing. It's a more heated sort of discussion than normal because of the streaming wars. DAZN made a hell of a run. Their second half fight season, they brought it. Overall, Fox makes a statement. Showtime hung out. ESPN and Top Rank were big-time business. Who was your network of the year? So I think... It is, you know, you, you got to be to just straight up. The zone had the most really, really good fights on its network. If you if you look down the list, the zone scored the most. Um, I but for me, it's Fox. And 
it's not just because it had some great fights, and I'm not crazy about the PP, the pay-per-view aspect of, of many of its best fights, or at least its biggest fights, but it's really me. I think that for all of the good that DAZN did in 2019, all of the great fights that appeared on that network, and the great value, frankly, that it provides for boxing fans, whether they're choosing to pay $100 for the year or they're going to do kind of hop in and out for the $20 monthly fees when it makes sense. Um, but the zone loses some points in my book for also being, I think, um, I don't know, the sleaziest of them all this year. All of the, the really sort of things that made me groan about boxing, the most cynical, scummy things, they were his own moves. Logan Chavez, Paul and KSI. Julio Cesar all, Chavez Jr., yes. That all of like the disgusting cash grabs, the, this is the most just reminding us of how amoral and disgusting we are as sentient human beings. The zone did that more than anyone else. And I, that's not what I watch boxing for. I know it's part of the sport, but that's not why I love this sport. And I don't need to be reminded of it at every turn. I don't need someone... Uh, making me feel like the scale I am deep down inside. Yeah, indeed. Indeed on that one. Um, I'm going to give it to Fox as well. They filled my pockets very nicely, but even obviously beyond that, it wasn't a perfect year, but I think they raised the profile of the sport. I mean, when you're promoting big boxing matches in your NFL coverage, your World Cup coverage, your pro wrestling SmackDown coverage, I mean, look, that that matters. That got people to gain attention. They committed to shoulder program, even if some of those shoulder programs <laughs> might go away, Rafe. They committed to shoulder programming, and the matchups were fairly consistent. Started to tail off by the end, but they were fairly consistent. We got to see stars. We got to see good fights. I mean, you got J-Rock and, and, uh, and uh, Heard on real TV. You can't really complain too much. I didn't love some of the editorial decisions. I didn't love the broadcast team. I certainly didn't love the let's not have Terrence Crawford or WBO recognized and all that crap. But their commitment to live streaming on FS1, the Fox card uh, press conferences and weigh-ins, like – they tried to make it big. You, they tried to make it, you know, their UFC style of, of rollout coverage. And I think that combined with putting on some really big fights on pay-per-view and making them feel really big, that, that's it, Rafe. That's it right there. Although, shout out to DAZN for making an effort. Um, ESPN just is what it is with the – it's like Bob's got – at top rank, certainly he's got some names, and then certainly he's building big for the future. I mean, those prospects are about to bust out and be stars, but they're still limited by the scope. Of who they have, I, I think they also are. Ju- they 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 just sort of have to stay the course because it is an enormous advantage, I think, overall and in the long run to be affiliated with ESPN because you know the, the Fox deal is great while it lasts, but then PVC may have to go find a new home after that. Um, and I'm saying, look, Al Heyman is really good at that. He's always been successful at finding new homes for for his content when he needs to, and he's really creative with it. So I'm, it probably won't be a problem, but being Alan able, goat. yeah, he's a goat, uh, but being connected to, you know, the, the, the network that is synonymous in North America with sports, with ESPN is a big benefit to top rank. And I think they, in acknowledging that it seems like they, they, they took a few, um, you know, they were, they're willing to compromise a little bit to meet. ESPN's needs, right? Putting big fights on ESPN Plus 
when they probably could have, they, they would have done much better in terms of overall audience on linear cable. Um, but sticking with being a good partner to ESPN can be very good to top rank in the long run. I think it will also be good to boxing because you want ESPN in, with real skin in the game when it comes to boxing so that they cover the sport fully. We don't have these things where we never see boxing on Sports Center, which was often the case back in the day when Friday Night Fights was the only boxing on ESPN. Indeed, indeed. Um, are you okay with me giving 2019 Promoter of the Year to Eddie Hearn? Look, with the zone expansion, he made this this whole idea of a U.S. invasion work. He's doing giant things. Some of it's scummy, but he's doing big things in this game. I thought it was a big year for Eddie. Yeah, the man, so, you know, look, some of the individual decisions you can quibble with and you can quibble strongly with, but he works his balls off and he's funny and engaging and entertaining. And he's, he's, he is a, like almost like a modern day Bob Arum in, in, in the, how funny and charismatic he can be, but he does it in a way that it, it feels fresh and young. And I look, I love Bob's, uh, you know, 80 year old man act, but um, Hearn, yeah, he's the guy. The guy is a hustler, and he and he's fun to watch. And with a, if the zones platform grows, or years down the line, Matchroom USA ends up working on uh, with other platforms. I, I just mean with a bit. Uh, however, Hearn gets exposed to a bigger audience here in the states. I think people will embrace him because he, I agree. The guy's hilarious. I think he has like Dana White potential in boxing, although. It's hard because he's, you know, the PBC has the larger stable, although they don't have a public spokesman. But he's the one who's willing to do so many. You know, he's the one who stays late, like he says, at all the press conferences. Like he does all the interviews and and really puts it out there and tries to sell it. And I just think when he's vibrant and young and charismatic, it helps a lot. And look, he's been creative. He's signed new fighters. Like he's he's done some 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 good things there. Um, Rafe, I gotta hit you with this, okay? We good friends. I love you, Daddy. But let's get it on. Hey, hey. Um, Daddy of the Year in boxing. In 2019. Um, hmm. There's a lot of dadas in box. I mean, Anthony Bonsante was the was nope. 2005 nope. boxing daddy of the dad year. Of, yeah. He was the number one dad daddy. Of the year. He was the number um, one daddy. Um, yeah. Um, look, it was a down year for Angel Garcia. It was. It really was. Um Maybe it's because Danny didn't have as many high-profile fights. It was a rebuilding year for, for Danny. It was not Danny's year. Um, maybe, maybe Angel got the message that he wasn't always helping with some of his more wild antics. Um, Rafe, uh, I know who the daddy of the year is. Oh, wait. I know now. Then, I, now I know, I take too. Advantage, and then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO. I believe that's the zaddy of the year. Dude, father Ryan Garcia, Rafe, knocking dudes no, no, no. out in the ring, uh, shooting his shot outside of it, Rafe, father I, of the year. I, 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 all right. I think that's that's not bad, Brian. But come on, there. I can't believe it took this long for me to figure this out. That I brain farted this long. He never jacks. He's X-rated, and you're not. He is the dad of the year every year, even when he's in prison. John Fury, Big John is the dad of the year. Love it. Love it indeed. All right, Rafe. Are you ready for this? Knockout of the year. My choice, Rafe. 
Deontay Wilder's one shot against Dominic Brazil. No, we didn't think Brazil was going to win that fight. But it was a credible enough contender, a stay busy fight, a, a fight that we had interest. We needed to see. I was ringside in Brooklyn. It was the first round. It was the first giant punch he threw. He knocked that guy out. Yes, credit Brazil for awakening and actually reaching his feet. But you want to talk about producing a one-punch highlight onto your reel and showing those reactions of Ray Flores' brother, Miguel, and, and everyone else sitting around me. Somehow I was the only one with a straight face. Um, it was thunderous. It was brutal. There's some good knockouts. A lot of under-the-radar knockouts this year of knockout of the year. But I look when, when it's all said and done, if they ran a highlight package, I think that's the one where you're like, damn. I mean, that's what Wilder does. He did it. That's highlight reel stuff, Rafe. Look, that one certainly is worthy of consideration, and I, I can't really argue with you much because my choice is Deontay Wilder knocking out Luis Ortiz. Um, that one, because it was against the much better fighter in a fight where Wilder had lost pretty much every moment of the competition up until landing that shot at the end of round seven that put it away. The, just the image of all of the hair, the, the sweat in, in Luis Ortiz's hair flying out of his head and showering ringside. Um, and then the look on Ortiz's face when he was down and had the, you know, basically did a version of the Curtis Stevens. Whoa, what was that, man? Um, that, that to me was the knockout of the year. And because he was actually counted out, despite making a game effort to get up, uh, count is not go in the books as a TKO like the Brazil one does. Yeah, and, uh, you know, considering he was losing that fight badly, and then it really wasn't, like, the type of knockout shot, like, turn someone's chin. It was, like, straight onto the forehead, and he destroyed him with it. It, it, it was insane. Um, my number two, Rafe, and shout-out to this one, Devin Haney against Antonio Moran. Yep. Good Lord. That's just one of those, like, oh, my God. That's one. That's the Manny uh, Stewart type of knockout of the year, Rafe, okay? You got that? Oh, my God. I mean, look, look at this. Look at this. Yeah. Um, Rafe, I'm going to give a couple shout-outs here. Do you like them? Callum Smith, Hassan Endam. Remember that one? Hmm. Uh, cruiserweight knockout of the year. Unie Dorticos sending Andrew Tabidi oh to hell. That one was amazing. Oh, I forgot that one. That, 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 that might be that might be better than everything we talked about. Um, Virgil Ortiz against Mauricio Herrera on the Canelo undercard. Do you remember that one? Go mm -hmm. revisit that collaboration. Uh, Teo's one against Richard Kami was solid. Tramel Charlo Jorge Cota was good. Um, Jesus Ramos against Ricky Edwards on a PBC undercard. You may not remember the knockout, Rafe, but you sure as hell do remember the double raygasm that was brought out from that. A right hook upstairs. Edwards shakes his head as Wow, Ray. Take it again, brother. Wow, Rafe. Okay. Shout out to that indeed. Yes. Um, Rafe Bugs, do you have a choice for 
Boxing 2019 Fight of the Year. Brian, there are still good fights coming through, coming down the pipe. But um, I'm going to go with uh, a guy we should have mentioned in the dad of the year conversation. For having, All- for having a wife that would, uh, that would make the, Jaren's friends wonder if they'd risk it all? Uh, look, because he is the dad of the year and the husband of the year, no, that kind of stuff doesn't go down. And I don't even entertain that kind of notion, Brian. Um, but yes, Nonito Donaire against Naoya Inoue, the extremely high level of that fight, the back and forth action, the momentum swings, the, the, the inspirational effort, the last hurrah style uh, performance that you saw from Donaire stepping up in that moment when everyone thought it was like, Sending uh, this, you know, poor old man to be slaughtered by the monster and and getting up from that body shot that he had no business getting up from it. Just the losing effort. It was beautiful. And then the the moment that and and finding out after the fact that Inoue was fighting through a, you know, having his 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 orbital bone fractured in the second round by a vintage Nonito left hook, had his nose broken in the fight, was visibly hurt bad, saw him overcome those moments, learned more about him as a fighter. Humbling. It it was everything boxing is about. And I love old guys pouring out the jug that last time. It was the final of a tournament, unified titles. It was like the first time Nao Inoue, who's like a candidate for fighter of the year and pound for pound king was like really 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 challenged Rafe that is damn right the fight of the year in boxing in 2019 it wins my award it wins CBS Sports's award on a panel of a voting panel of our writers and editors um great great stuff had really everything and it was at a high level and pace and it was violent and it was beautiful honorable mentions I want to shout out number two I gave it to Errol Spence Sean Porter you hate that I, I thought it was a great fight no, I don't hate that. I mean, look, there's a lot of when you start getting into the honorable mentions, there's so many good fights this year. I, did you see that list that the the great Kurt Emhoff, yes. boxing esquire, put out? I mean, there's about twenty twenty deep. There's like two dozen strong fights, and you know, my man Maccabi Games, Ilunga Makabu had two on there. Yes, and also I didn't even have Jarrett Heard, Julian Williams in my top five. Two of the editors at my staff voted at number two in their rankings, and that's fine, right? It didn't make the BWAA Final Five. It could have easily been there. That was a very good fight. No one's given love to Sergey Lipinitz and Lamont Peterson. Revisit that collaboration, please. It was violent as hell. Sent Lamont Peterson to retirement. And Rafe, my number three, I was ringside for it. It's also your women's boxing fight of the year. Katie Taylor and that reckless cop Delphine Pursoon. Rafe, that ish was crazy. Make you say wee 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 wee. Shout out to Triple G Sergey Daryavinchenko, Rafe. Okay, you got any others you want to hit up? Did you like SSR Estrada too? It was it was more tactical than normal. Right. It was. It, it, I think it suffers from not being as good as the first. Uh, shout out to Keith Thurman. Manny Pacquiao was high theater. Oh, dude, Car- Jose Ramirez, Mo Hooker. I think that one is super underrated, Brian. When you go back and watch that, yes, uh, Ramirez got the better of him throughout the fight, but there were moments where 
before Ramirez hurt and stopped Hooker, it kind of looked like the, the sort of fight where Ramirez was doing the more steady work and maybe winning rounds. But Hooker was, there were moments where he was hurting Ramirez worse and that he might, if the fight went on, he might stop him, stop Ramirez late. Then out of nowhere, that amazing finish where Ramirez landed the left hook that hurt Hooker, realized it, pounced on him in an instant and threw 10 unanswered punches, connected on most of them to get him out of there on the ropes. Talk about a high pace, back and forth, tons of action in just six rounds. That one way kind of flying under the radar and it shouldn't it was fun i mean josh taylor regis progray was like the perfect sort of title fight final in that tournament unification both guys going for it close on the cards that's in the conversation uh remember that can versus manny Robles the third that was pure war Anything, anytime you see Kanzu, the new can man in the ring, you know it's going to be fun because he's just out there popping off punches like it's nothing. He's popping cherries. And shout out to Brandon Figueroa and Julio Seja. That was, that was a late entry, but that one was good as well. Uh, Rafe, Rico and Seja. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right, Rafe. Uh, here it is. It's an important one. 2019 Listener of the Year. Rafe, two years running. Basically, in a landslide, it's the Alex Godinez of Sacramento. But I got news for the Alex Godinez's of the world. Let me me say first something. Let me say first something. We have have a new Manny Pacquiao. We have a new. Rafe, I didn't consult with you. But if we're voting this year, we've got a new Alex Godinez, and his name is that quality bloke. That guy is funny. That guy's British. He loves us. His Twitter's wild. His Twitter's wild, Rafe. He's got my high school cross-country picture as an avatar. That guy brings it, Rafe. I think he may have grabbed that baton this year. Wow, Brian. Are you right. going to second that, Rafe? Oh look, I'm I hey, I am I'm Switzerland in this, man. I'm Ray Charles to the BS. Rafe, you're um, one half of this podcast. You need to vote on this. Look, if I'm if I vote, then I could break the tie and I could create a tie, and then we have no listener of the year. I don't want to put myself put any of any of us in that position, Brian. It's it, it's you are the captain of this ship, and what you say goes. You you are the captain now, sir. All right, don't don't mess with it, you know. Let me tell you, don't you tinkle with the finkle. Shout out to Quality Bloke. Shout out to Alex Godinez. Always in our heart. Number two on our scorebook this year, though. Um, and you know we've run down the list before. We we love us. So basically, to anyone who wants to to compete for this, what Brian is telling you is you need to dig up pictures of him in high school no, or no, no. college no, 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 no. and turn them into your Twitter avatar. No, 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 no. Uh, Rafe, 2019 round of the year. I think for the first 11 and three-quarter months, the round of the year was also part of the upset of the year. Round three, Andy Ruiz Jr., Anthony Joshua, the clear upset of the year, by the way, not even worth a mention because it's so clear in which Ruiz gets up, knocks down Josh. I mean, it's hellacious. It's great. But, Rafe, I'm sorry. No jokes aside, it ain't the round of the year. The round of the year is round nine. Jeff Horn, Michael Zarafa, part two. Rafe, Horn bleeding and fading. They bring in the doctor to examine it. And 
There's no Glenn Rushton who's telling him he better get effing inside on him, but he knew he needed to. And he drops Zarafa twice straight out of like half Gotti Ward, half Corrales Castillo, put them together. It was like a damn movie, Rafe. What a round. You better get inside on him, mate. <laughs> that should be a sound drop right there to itself, right? Better get inside on that stripper. Well, Bartholomew's a freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rafe, speaking of that, here we go. 29 Oh, do you agree with that? We don't have the time. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I do. Agree. 2019 soundboard MVP, not the button of the year, Rafe. The MVP of the soundboard for 2019 on the SOC Box Podcast. Your choice. It, it has to be Dwyer, even if there are better choices. There's no other. I mean, it, Dwyer is like 50% of the show. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it is. Um, it is Dwyer, Rafe. It is Dwyer, the week of the fight. Okay, it is. Once again, two years running, it is Dwyer. And uh, I don't even, you know, I mean, come on. You know. Hey, player, you've been, you know, having my name in your mouth. Here I am now. Yeah. Been, Let's have at it. Okay, I've been putting your name, your voice on my show many a times. I mean, come on, bro. You know, he has a stick. On he does. Him. But Rafe, do you, Brian, have a favorite Dwyer drop? Can you even? Ooh. Can you even put something All right, out there? Let me pause that conversation and just say quickly. Honorable mention: Bob Aaron made a run on our soundboard in 2019. Right? He's making some late runs. Eddie Hearn's a player. Both Furies are players, and you can't look past Teddy Atlas, bro. All true. All he's been true. doping since the beginning on this show. I mean, he's, you know, he's been he's been popping, soundboarding. You got any other people you want to shout out in terms of their 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 the years they had on this soundboard? Well, look, it's not. I don't know if he's the most prolific on there, but Agus Klimas has been fantastic of late. Yes, of late, he is he is certainly making making a run. You know. Oh, that's gonna be a challenge. <laughs> Prepare your whores for the war. I think he actually meant whores, Rafe. I think he actually did there, all right. Um, Rafe, your favorite Dwyer sound drop. Well, let's start here. Sound, this is an important one. This is probably the most important award we have. Sound drop of the year in 2019. Oh, my God. Um, I think it is. I think it what, it comes from the epic performance Dwyer put in prior to Canelo and Danny Jacobs previewing that fight earlier this year when we got things. That was when we first talked about Hooters in Campbell, California, yes. a great place to catch a Canelo fight. Um, that was where we got Danny has a stick. Yes. So were you going to call his, his, his first Hooters breakdown as the sound drop of the year? I don't, look, I don't know if that's the yes, that, that is the sound that's the sound drop of the year. Yes. Hey, Ray Mancini came out of nowhere to make a little bit of a move. Not in my life. book. I'm not a Mancini. Hey! Hey! You know, I mean, come on. Alright, maybe it's not your maybe it's not your cup of tea, but um I think this might be the sound drop of the year, Rafe. I think it might get the most play. Are you ready? To paraphrase Diddy and B.I.G., more money, more problems. No, that's not it. That's not it. I really meant to play. Um, I really meant to play the other one. You know which one I went to play, right? Right. Make that money, player. That's it, Rafe. That's the sound drop right? of the year in 2019, right? Right. 
Right. I mean, come on, that's it. I think that's magic. All right. Exactly. Uh, Rafe, guest of the year for the 2019 SOC podcast. It sure, it sure ain't Tyson Fury. It sure ain't Bud Crawford. I was going to say, I was going to say Bud Crawford. I thought he was fantastic. Um, Tony Harrison. I didn't listen to that, but you sold me on uh, it. And I love me some Tony Harrison. You know where it was, right? Was that this calendar year when we got, when you and I got Bob Arum in Vegas? That had to be last year. I haven't been to Vegas in 2019. Are you serious? I was going to give it to Bob Arum. I'm sorry, man. We, you know, it wasn't this year. Oh, it was, I know it was Todd Grisham. It was Todd Grisham during, during Danny Jacobs Canelo fight week in the zone on the bonus interview pod. Okay. I'm with that. All right. Him and his brother used to bang it out in the past. All right. Rafe, um, 2019 sending Brian Campbell to hell in an interview. Award goes to. It's happened a few times now, Rafe. It's tough. I right, look. I, I I'm tempted to go Jamal Charlo. Um, tempted to go Jamal Charlo for not doing it on the podcast, but for mistaking you for my colleague oh, Mike God. Coppinger yes. at the airport, then asking you if you was a snake or a lion. Yes, and uh, continuing to call you Mike. During the face to behind the scenes of your face to face, no, that was on set. That, that didn't make the uh, final cut. There's also a segment that on that show he like straight up screamed at me during the show and was like, "Yo, yo, yo, why you ain't asking me questions like that?" And I, and it was just like, "Damn, bro, you know." I, I got I, apparently you 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 a snake, Brian. Not a not not a lion. All right, in, um, indeed, Rafe. Indeed, Brian's only. No, it's got to be Fury, man. Fury, you got your hopes up, and Fury. Stomped on them. He made them. He he did them dirtier than he did the Schwaz. He made him. He made me flip cheeseburgers, Rafe. If you will, yes, yeah. yes, you will. Uh, Rafe, do you have any other awards you wanted to give out, Rafe? Yes, I wanted to give uh, Andy Ruiz's nutritionist the uh, <laughs> dietitian of the year award. We saw him make that big old cheesy omelet on the skillet during the Dank City videos. Congrats, sir. You are the nutritionist of the year. 283.7, baby. Uh, Rafe, 2019 Boxing Shoulder Program of the Year. Your thoughts? Face-to-face. PBC face-to-face. Do you have a favorite episode that you didn't watch, Rafe? Um, all of them except for uh, Harrison Charlo 2. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. At least somebody put it up on YouTube. Yes, indeed. Um, Rafe, thank you again. Thank you again for doing the show another calendar year, Rafe. You know, we do it for the for the people. We, you, you, you've done it all for the Nookie a few times. I, look, the Nookie is good. Um, we will be back this – I will be back this week with a bonus interview pod um, – a guy, a, a guy named Garcia. I'm not going to tell you which one, but there's going to be a guy named Garcia on it, among others. Okay, you're going to want to check that out. Uh, Rafe Boogs, uh, it's the holiday season, bro, in Detroit. You got plans? What's going on? Yeah, my uh, I'm my lady and I are, because we got nothing to do, we are driving down to Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. Home of uh, the Louisville Lip. Around Christmas. What's that? Home of the Louisville Lip, Muhammad Ali. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to visit Ali's grave, the museum. So you're going to spend Christmas in Louisville? Yeah, for no damn reason. All right, I like that. I like that, yeah. Rafe. All right, I might like as that. Well, you know, move to a new part of the country. Might as well see the country. I'm going to make you my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might over this over this holiday season. You might. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Uh, do you know what we normally do with women on the show, though, Rafe? I normally don't do interviews with women unless I fornicate with them. 
Yeah. Uh, do we have any female guests this year? Oh, uh, Michaela, you talked to Michaela Meyer. Michaela Meyer. Uh, you played that drop for her. Yeah, yeah. We had Sunisha Estrada. Yeah, we had uh, Marlon Esparza. Yeah, man. All right. Marlon Wayans. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. White chicks were in here. Hey, what do you think Barbecue Bob's doing for Christmas? Hey, he's refing games, just chilling, late, kicking back. You know, you know, he can still he can still hit threes basically Yo, with like all ball. day. With his eyes closed. Shout out to Barbecue Bob. All right. All right, Rafe. Shout out to you. Shout out at State of Combat on Twitter. Shout out to The Athletic and Rafe Books. Please buy his books. Yo, it's holiday season. Rafe, can people still buy McCriegel uh, and me, two and two, my dad in, 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 a, in a light and dark? All of that, Brian. And, uh, give me that money, player. You can get two and two, McSorley's My Dad and Me, with myself and Mark Kriegel. You can get Pacific Rims, a book about Philippine basketball that I wrote. You can get Basketball, Love and Basketball, A Love Story, a book I wrote last year with the great Jackie McMullen and Dan Clores. Wait, did I still not tell you about Amazon. that book? Some still even in stores. What's up? Did I not tell you I read that entire book in one sit in on uh, on my cruise? No, in Jamaica in October. I read the entire book cover to cover in Jamaica. Oh, so you were ready to talk to Nick Anderson? Damn right I was. Yeah, yeah, right, indeed. Um, Pacific Rims. That's that's interesting. Um, Yusuf Mack, noted boxer, has a book out called Philly Rims. Rafe. I, I've. I'm not familiar with that program, bro. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask Eric Raskin about that one. All right. Hey, thank you, people, for being on this journey with us. Enjoy your holiday season, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever you got going on. Enjoy it. Be with the family. You know, if you can't be with them, call home. Say hi to mom and dad. Tell, tell, just tell their parents they said hi as well. Uh, Rafe Books, thank you. Uh, do you have any words for the people? Yep. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.